Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Lord, I pray as we get in your word, you would help us. Truly, it's the entrance of your word that brings light and life. And I pray that the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will shine bright in here today. Lord, I pray through the revelation of your word that your people would see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly. Now, Lord, cause, cause people to, to, cause me to decrease and you to increase. I ask you to think through my mind, speak through my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're my strength and redeemer in every glad, happy heart. Say amen. And whether you're at home or whether you're in this sanctuary, I want you to actually touch about three people or reach to about three people, do social distance and say, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And pick somebody else. Say, I love you too. At home, do it, do it. Do the activity. If nobody's in your room, just point to the screen right now. Say, I love you. Have you ever heard the expression that you wouldn't know a good thing if it hits you in the face? I know a quite a number of women who know that expression when they're thinking about the men who just don't get that it's a good thing right in front of their face. There's other expressions where you say you cannot see the forest for the trees. There is somehow this way of viewing life or things that make us very myopic and instead of seeing the whole picture, we can only get a fragment of the picture. I heard another expression, don't miss out on a good thing. Or better yet, this is the chance of a lifetime. You know, I, I, you, have you ever received those things in the mail that tell you you could win or a scratch off or something and, you, and, you, and, you, and, and, it, and it makes you think for a moment you could be the winner only to find out that you are not the winner yet again. <laughs> and so when it comes to thinking about moments or opportunity or seeing the forest before the, for the, for the trees or the, you wouldn't recognize something good unless it was staring you in the face. If it's a non-credible source, no matter how good the invitation or the presentation or the articulation of a thing, chances are if the source is not credible or the source in times past has let you down, chances are you're not going to take advantage of whatever someone presented, whether it's true or not. However, if your friend John John that you've known for years, say, I'm telling you right now, if we take advantage of this, that, and the other, it's going to happen. You, your, your, your chances of actually being exuberant and actually taking advantage of it is really high because they're in your circle. Today, as we look at the Bible, we're going to spend time in Exodus 18 to help us examine 
if we have enough credibility of relationship, quality of relationship around us to take advantage of the things that are presented to us, or are we somehow falling short of confidence that we might need to take advantage of the forest and not just the tree. When we look at the life of Moses, this guy was amazing. And in fact, when you look at the heroic efforts of Moses and the life of Moses, you wouldn't even mind saying, I want to be Mo Moses was leading millions of people. Uh, Moses was highly educated. He was educated by the best. He was handsome. Uh, he was strong. Um, Moses uh, was a guy who was not afraid to speak the truth to power. The Bible considered him a prophet, and there was no prophet quite like him. In fact, the Bible said of his prophet na prophetic nature, God said, I, I speak to some of those other prophets with, you know, visions and dreams and mystery. Moses, I speak to him face to face. Moses is the guy who's got it going on. And when I think about Moses' life, I naturally want to lean into all of his accomplishments, but sometimes I don't think about his failures. Moses has a list of great things to bring up, but have you noticed I had nothing to say about his wife or his children. Because it's easy for us to be viewed in our individual greatness. It is difficult to make sure that we bring along others in our circle to that same measure of greatness. As we look at Exodus and we start at the fifth verse, I want to speak the scripture into your hearing to contextualize what's going on in Moses' life. Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, by the way, you're going to see this, this word father-in-law used in the 18th chapter over 13 times. You're going to see that God is about to center in on familial relationships. God is about to show you exactly their significance and their connectivity. It, it, it came, he came with his son, and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law, Jephro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. Notice that he said it twice already. He sent, uh, verse 7, then Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down and kissed him, and they asked each other of their welfare, and he went into the tent. Now, you might be thinking for all of the accolades of Moses, why is he hanging out in the wilderness, encamped where God is, and his wife is back home with Jephro, her daddy? Now, we want you to understand, as great as Moses was, Moses had a broken relationship from the very, uh, his very inception. He was pulled from his mother uh, at an early age. Uh, they tried to kill him uh, before he even entered the world. Um, he, he, he was living 
uh, the life of a, a murderer who was a fugitive running from a nation that wanted to kill him when all he wanted to do was help them. Moses is a misunderstood orphan man walking in the wilderness when he comes upon the relationship with a man named Jephro. He meets his daughters and he, and he helps them out of a typical situation at a well with other shepherds who are kind of treating them poorly and he, 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 he helps them. And yet Jephro's father, I mean, uh, uh, Jephro, his father-in-law, to be, invites him into the home. We see God doing something significant in this moment. Jephro is entering Moses' life when he is most broken. Jephro is entering his life when he's most confused and most lost and most estranged and outside of his element and not aware of what is good in his life. Don't you know that God has someone ordained and someone prepared to be in your life at the moment of your greatest weakness? And perhaps you might be thinking you're far from deliverance, but God has prepared a person that is more near to you than you might believe because he wants to form a new circle around you. You may have had a broken circumstance before Moses, but I'm I'm going to bring you into a family that is functional because yours has been dysfunctional. We talk a lot of times about life groups and we talk a lot of times about church family, but now you see God is about to introduce Moses to a man that's going to shape the rest of his life and to shape his ministry. And just because things broke down in your natural family doesn't mean that God hasn't prepared a group of people or a person to actually recover that which was lost to you. It is not very far away. And he's opening up the door. Now, I want you to know that he knows that this man is estranged from his land. He knows that this man is a fugitive. He knows that this man has brokenness. And then he says the deepest thing that you can say, have you considered marrying one of my daughters? Then you imagine what Moses can feel like when he is in his most broken condition and yet somebody God has set to bring into his life is saying, I don't just want to uh, doctor up your life. I don't just want to treat you like you're a case. I want to bring you so close to me that you and I are family? Do you have people that, that have to have it all together to be in your life? Do they have to, you know, talk right, act right, do right? You need some people who cuss a little bit in your life, accidentally get, get, get a little buzzed when they drink, you know, so much. You know, they're still trying to figure out whether it's godly or not to smoke the herb. You need to figure out where are these people at in your life that don't have it all together or maybe don't have it all figured out and maybe start going to the left a little bit, but you need them in your life because God has ordained for you to have a circle you can trust. Put my statement up here like this. Who is in your circle that you can trust with what matters most? Who is it? I love the fact that Jephro isn't afraid of a little dirt in somebody's life. That's the problem right now. Everybody's got to have it together in order to be in relationship. Last I checked, that ain't a good relationship. I want to know who are the people that's going to be with me when I'm down and out, busted and disgusted. I still don't have it all right. I ain't thinking right, acting right, talking right, being right, but somebody's got my back. Who do you trust? God said, I've preserved a man. He's living like a nomad. He's living in the wilderness, but I, I got you, Moses. You've been running from one thing, but you're running into another. He marries this woman and goes from having no circle, no stability, no community to welcome into a functional family. If 
people who have functional families don't welcome dysfunctional people, how will they ever be functional? Maybe Jesus' assignment of giving you a good foundation was for you to give somebody else a good foundation. Maybe he gave you a nuclear family so you could provide somebody else with a nuclear family. It's not just your four no more. God's got some people on your left or your right you need to include in your life. Jeffro said, you know what, Mo? You could be in my circle. Why don't you take What's most precious to me in the world? I have no daughters yet. Come on, say amen. She let me down online, audience. She let me down. She let me down. I got some spiritual daughters. I got some, I got some God daughters. And I'm going to tell you, Justin Gray and I have two God. I got a God daughter. He got a daughter. And we not let no brother just come up in there and have them. It's tough. It's tough on a brother. We'd rather keep them the rest of their life than give them to a sorry brother. I got to tell you the truth. But what is this that this man takes an underdeveloped man and say, if you get in my family, it's going to be all right. Stop looking for a perfection that doesn't exist on the earth. It doesn't exist in the Bible. God has put us in the earth to be the difference in people's lives. Gets in the family, and now a Moses that we don't even have, he, he went from having nothing to he's got a wife and a family, and he gets a job. Father, I gave him a job. What is this? You guess what? It's okay. I'm going to say this out loud. It's okay to work with your family. No, you don't want to work with family. It can be tough. Yeah, it's a little tougher, but it's a little deeper too. It's okay. He got in the family business. They started working together. And in, after 40 years, I don't know why it took 40 years, but I believe God was retooling him and restoring him his trust. Remember, who's in your circle that you can trust what you, what you care about the most? Moses is put in a safe place until God could speak to him supernaturally through a bush. But before God spoke to him, he was restoring him with family. I know you think you can get to God on your own. I know you're looking for your burning bush experience. I know you think you're going to find it in just your individual Bible study and your prayer life. But I've got some news for you. As great as all of those things are, if you stay in isolation, if you stay alone, if you don't accept the invitation for those who are bring to bring you into their circle, then perhaps it could take you longer than 40 years to find your God your family, and your purpose. Moses comes to his father-in-law and demonstrates the importance of this circle in this relationship that he can trust him with what he loves the most because what he did, does is say, hey, dad, I imagine he called him dad. This seems like a deeper relationship. Dad, God just spoke to me on the mountain about the people I'm supposed to Go get. Should I go? 
Now that's deep. Nowadays, somebody think they had a dream or a word to go somewhere. They ain't going to talk to nobody. I'm going. But God spoke to me. I'm going. Well, you're the only one that you, that's not biblical. Go, go get you some safety in the multitude of Go get in a circle. Will good counsel make your war? You don't need to be the biggest voice in your life. And he's showing you that his circle and his relationships are so important, are so impactful, that he doesn't make a decision independent of Jephro's father-in-law. Jephro's father-in-law in sync with God said, you need to go. And he loaded his wife and his two kids up on a donkey. He loaded up his brokenness and took it with him. How do you know he was broken? He named, he named his son a stranger in a foreign land. That's what Gershon means, stranger in a foreign land. He's saying every time he's got to call his son and say, we don't fit. We don't fit. We're not really connected. It's not really mine. I'm just temporary. I'm not real family. I can imagine him going away from the thing that God had given him, a circle of family, saying, now I, I, I got to start off thinking different. And the Bible says that he gets to a lodge on the way to do the will of God, and an angel of the Lord comes to kill him. Now, that's kind of funny to me. Now, I would be saying, Lord, I'm coming to work for you. I just, this is my first day on the job. We not a week into the journey. You want to hurt me? But Moses was going to do an assignment where he had not obeyed the customs and the laws of the people he was going to serve in circumcising his sons, didn't want to do it, and his wife, somebody that was in his circle, somebody that had his back, Somebody that he can trust said, you know what? I'm going to do it because you won't do the right thing for our family. I'm going to do it. How many women got penalized for just doing the right thing when your man won't? Go on, you can clap today because it ain't right. Yeah, you, do the, you did the right thing. Your man wouldn't do the right thing. He didn't want to live. He would rather, Moses would rather let the angel kill him than just go circumcise his kids. She comes in exasperation. She comes in frustration. She circumcised the kids. She throws the foreskins at him. She said, you made me. You, you're a bloody man. You made me do your job. Remember, we brought you in our family. We showed you how it's supposed to look, how it's supposed to act. Moses, don't forget yourself. I know plenty of us. Don't make it exactly where we're supposed to make it because we don't like God's structure. He gives a man a role, he gives a woman a role, and he sets the family in order, and we all have got to do our part. You can't just get mad at Eve for eating the fruit. What happened to Adam that should have said, baby, don't eat it. Baby, wait a minute. It's going to mess everything up. So now we picked it. You remember what we read? Jephro, the father-in-law, came to Moses in the wilderness with his wife and his kids. At some point, they sent her home. For some say three to ten months, somewhere in there. 
They were gone. They were separated. Because, see, Moses, after that, said something happened where he had to lean into another group. He lost Jephro, but he gained Aaron, his blood brother. Let me tell you something about his blood brother. Strong, articulate, and opinionated. He had a different idea of family than Jephro did. And when he got together with his sister Miriam, they said, we want to have a meeting with you, Moses. We want to circle up because this is your new circle now. You got that Jephro spirit going on, and we're going to set you straight. He said, now, all, they were mad at him, the Scripture says, because of the Cushite woman. They couldn't even say Zephora. They had to say, <laughs> they just had to say the Cushite. The song says, say my name, say my name. <laughs> okay. But they're going to call her a Cushite. That's in, in, in our modern day vernacular. Let me make it plain. You got that black girl, that African girl, that Egyptian. You, you done brought her up in here. We some Hebrews. We don't mix. Now, I know you had your little family in the wilderness, but God is reuniting our family. And I don't think she fits in because the old rabbis would say, this not in the Bible, that, that, that Aaron is the one that said, you got to send her home. That's the story. That's not in the Bible. You see, your circle can mess you up too. Remember, the Bible is describing something. It's not prescribing something. It's describing what happened to Moses. It's not telling you this was what's right. Because I've heard people preach this like, you, sometimes you got to separate from your family to do the will of God. That just sound off. Don't that sound off? When you really think about it, God got a lot of good sense. Sometimes God's stuff right. That sounds like something the devil would say. Okay. So now it is, they don't like her. But you don't have to be afraid. Moses gave up one circle. He can't give up his circle. But even if your circle fails, God's got a plan for it. God shows up. And Miriam and Aaron and Moses circle and say, do y'all know who this man is? He's come through many trials and he stayed humble. And I like him so much, I speak to him different than I speak to you. He's my God. So I tell you what, when you offend him, you offend me leprosy. Gave that girl leprosy. I tell you, if your family circle break down, your circle with God is strong. You don't, want, you don't want to mess with people who got God on their side. That's why you don't need to fear human relationships. Okay, I'm going to say it again. This is why you don't need to fear human relationships. Because even if they break down, God got your back. Then now, now God sets it back in order. He tells Aaron says, hey, Moses, come on, man. Help out Miriam. She can't go out there looking like a leper. Come on. Pray. And he prays for her. 
God heals her, and he sets that circle back in order, and they do great things. But Jephro is coming to reunite their family. And here comes awkward Moses. Jephro's walking up to him. Moses is standing there. You would think that Moses would have the heart of the father when the prodigal son was saying, like, look and see his son and his wife coming from a great distance. and say, my boy, Kunta, and then run, you know, just, <laughs> just run, just run and just hug him. But no, he didn't do that. He didn't do none of that. He didn't show no love, nothing. He just, he just you know, in fact, it's as if he didn't see them. And he bows to Jephro because he je- and kisses Jephro because now he's trying to get his world back in order. I know it's easy to demonize Moses for his weakness here, but Moses has never done family well since his was broken from the very beginning. God chose to use a broken person. And what made Moses function within Jephro's family is that they didn't judge him for what he was not. They judged him, they, they, they accepted him for who he was. You didn't see Savor saying, well, we don't want to see you either, Moses. You saw the reunion happen. Because if you're looking for perfect relationships, there are none. If you're looking for everything to go according to the book, stop looking for that. You might get a broken person, halfway broken person. You might be the strong one or the weak one, but you're called to be circled up together. So she, you know what? You know, you don't see Moses repenting to her or crying to her. You see him dealing with her father. And the only word we can see that would be inclusive of her is that they asked of each other's welfare. I'll take it. Verse 13 shows us something else. You get out of the circle. And it came about the next day that Moses sat and judged the people. You mean the the day God restores your circle, you move on to work. All day. I mean, look, every woman in here, let me just stop because y'all want me to stop on that. The ladies do. You don't know you got two kids. I done been out here cooking for at least a year. I'm in a parenting by myself. Now, you can at least take one day off from work, Moses. One day. You don't think he got that? Yes, he did. She was a sister. been working on I've been gone for a year baby oh you gonna help me raise these kids I'm sorry I'm having too much fun a little punch drunk there but so so here it is he said he sat all day and he judged the people and they and they stood about Moses from morning until evening now when Moses father-in-law saw all that was going uh uh okay Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for your people? Why do you alone, why do you alone, why do you alone sit as as a judge of all the people? No one taught you to do anything alone, Moses. No one taught you to do anything alone. Remember the circles? You were taught from Jephro. You were taught from Aaron. You were taught from the very beginning. Oh, you know what? Let me go back. Almost, it's too good of a point for me to leave out. Go to the 12th verse. Go back up. 
Watch this. Then Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and a sacrifice to God, and Aaron came with him and all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before the Lord. God says, I'm not going to make you choose between your families and your circles, Moses. I'm not going to divide your heart. A lot of families are torn apart nowadays. You have divorced homes, separated homes, and all of this, and, and, every, and kids stay mad because they're figuring out how to choose. I'm telling you, God can, in His mercy, even in an imperfect situation, to take Aaron, Miriam, and the elders, and all that ethnic group that don't mix with this ethnic group, and don't mix with these sort of people, and make you one in Jesus, one fellowship together. And I know you got blended families, divided families, confused families, but God is going to make you one circle together. You don't need to trust Jeffro to do it. You don't need to trust Aaron to do it. You don't need to trust the elders to do it. You need to trust God to do it. Because when God comes, He brings everybody together. He is not trying to divide you. So you might be a little bit different. That's all right. You might eat a little different, dress a little different, talk a little different, have different customs and all that, but you go together in Christ. All right. That was just, I didn't want to leave that out. Go back to the 14th verse. And uh, let's go down to 15. Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me and I inquire of God in verse 16 says, when they have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge a man and his neighbor and make known the uh, the statutes of God and their law. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. Uh, Do you have anybody in your life that will speak to you, anybody in your circle that will speak to you Anybody in your circle that will speak to you the truth when they see it. Go back to verse 16, Uh, 18. Verse 18, you will surely wear out both you and, and these people who are with you. For the task is too heavy for you and you cannot do it alone. You know, Moses should have learned this lesson in Numbers 17, the, I mean, uh, excuse me, Exodus 17, the verse above it. God was trying to set him up before he even met Jephro and his family, and he got this exhortation because he was, he was having uh, Joshua and her, and they were fighting the Amalekites, and they said whatever Moses' arms were up, they won. Whenever Moses' arms came down, they lost. And then Moses' arms got tired, and they came down. They were losing. They propped him up on a rock, and, and Joshua took one arm, and Hur took the other arm, and they lifted it up, and they won the battle. He's trying to reiterate to Moses, you cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. So, so, so Moses is not really getting the message, and God is sending him another prophetic insight that, you know what, you are, not, you are alone, and it's not good. It's not going to be be good for you. Moses, when you work incorrectly, inappropriately, um, and you, you, not only, you, you wear down. You can't think straight. We all know what it's like to come home from work and crash, and when you should give time to your family, you got nothing left, except you need to sleep just to recuperate for the next day. Your circle gets neglected 
because you gave it all out to other people on the outside. See, the covenant with your circle should be, you, you, you got first dibs on me. Everything, everybody else get what's next. He said, if you don't start investing in your soul, in your family, in your circle, you're going to wear out. You're going to train the people wrong, and they're going to be mad at you. If you know anything about these people, all they did was murmur. All they did was complain. All they did was say, we want to kill you, Moses. We hate you, Moses. It would have been better for you to leave us in Egypt, Moses, as slaves than to give us freedom and to love God and be free out here. Moses, give us water. Moses, give us some food. You never hear Moses retreating to his circle. He's not learning the lesson. Again, we're not here to dog Moses, but we want to learn from his life. He's missing out on the 40 years that made him strong. He's not repeating the lesson. He's always alone. And you, you look at him, he starts turning into an angry prophet. Every time he talks, he's mad at the people. They people. When you work too hard, you lose yourself. So will you speak? Will you actually speak um, when you see what God wants for your circle? Will you speak up? Who's God asking you to speak into their life? Speak up. Don't be afraid. Wives, roommates, people close to somebody. Well, you know, he told me he loved. No, speak up. No, baby. We don't need the overtime. Come home on time. Why are you nagging me? I'm not nagging you. I'm saving us. Because you're going to wear out and you ain't going to be good for me, God, or nobody else. Come on home. I know you want to hear it, guys. But listen to your wife. My wife knows how to speak to me without words. Mm. Oh. Mm. Okay. okay. No words. Just, just grunts and stuff. I know what all of them mean. Let me, let me close this out. Verse 24. Verse 24 kind of sums it all up. He says, so Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses listened to his father-in-law. Moses leaned in to his original circle. Moses got in touch with what made him strong. Moses trusted the wisdom um, that he was given. He went back to it. Moses then chose able men out of Israel, verse 25, that made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. Then they judged the people at all times in the difficult disputes that they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute, they would judge themselves. Stand to your feet. How does that apply to you? Well, then, will you listen to the people in your circle? Moses listening to the people in his circle preserved his life, preserved his ministry, preventing him from dying early. He, 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 he had to keep factoring in this lesson because, you know, at some, time, at some point he got frustrated and he lost out when he violated this principle. So, look, who, who's in your circle that you trust with the most important things? Will you speak up like Jeffro did in your circle?
And then will you, will you actually receive and listen to the people in your circle? Moses, listen. And this structure is the same structure that supports the facilitation of our gospel message even to this day. Help get the gospel message where it needed to go. Will you listen when we tell you God sets the lonely in family, that those that are planted in the house of the Lord flourish? You need to be in life group. Put my number. You need to be there. Because you might be thinking, I know you're watching me online, you might be thinking, how do I do it? Because you're, you, you're, you're, you're isolated and you've gotten used to the pattern of living your life your way on your terms. You need a circle. Maybe you need to get here tomorrow night uh, for the women's meeting. Maybe you need to get here tomorrow night for the men's meeting. Maybe you need to get involved with children, you, whatever. Or maybe you just don't know what to do. Just text that number. We'll show you how to have life. We'll help, help you develop a circle. It's going to take some vulnerability on your part. But what's at stake? Man, somebody's life. Moses was affecting millions of people for God. What if I told you that God loves you so much? that he, he first said, let's me and you be together. This is what the gospel is. He, God who knew no sin became sin for us. He lived sinless. He laid down his life to redeem you and me. But he didn't stay down. God raised him from the dead. But I love this part. Now he's offering salvation. This is deliverance from loneliness, deliverance from depression. Deliverance from anxiety, deliverance from uh, uh, demonic power, deliverance from, from, from dead living to a full, abundant life and eternal life. He's offering this. Jesus Christ is offering this. So if you're online, you can just, you just, you just, you just type, type it in. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Or maybe you just need a circle again. I want to pray for you. Bow your heads. Even at home, bow your head. You don't need to look at the screen for a minute. You need to lock in with Jesus. Because I'm praying that God will give you your burning bush moment. I'm praying that the Lord will so illuminate himself to you, it will be undeniable who he is and how he's moving and where he's going. He doesn't want to take you away from anything as much as he wants to define everything and help you enjoy life to the full. God is a is adding. We're already at a deficit without Christ. He's adding to your life. Let him add. I can sense the Lord has prepared families for those who don't have it, churches for those who don't have it, friends for those who don't have it. He's got circles for you. And you don't need to think about how your worlds don't mix. God himself, like he did for Aaron and the elders and the Hebrews, and the Midianites, and Jephro, and Zephora, and the Cushites, he can push you all together. Black, white, red, yellow, all together to enjoy God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone would be touched, that everyone would sense who you are, and everyone would get a chance to enjoy you in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God praise and glory. I thank God for you. Oh, don't pity pat him. Yeah. He's been too good.